What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 4040 Vision Podcast, the ultimate sports history podcast where hindsight is 4040. I'm your host, Khaled Abdallah, and I'm joined today by my fellow host, Salman Huck. What's up, man? How are you? Yo, what's going on, man? Not much, not much. So today we're covering the three biggest what-ifs in the career of soon-to-be former Raiders franchise quarterback Derek Carr. The Raiders will be trading or releasing Carr sometime in the next few weeks, and we're recording this podcast on February 3rd, so sometime probably in the next 10 days before the Super Bowl. And as a lifelong Raiders fan and a big fan of Derek Carr himself, I wanted to do an episode on what I thought were the biggest what-ifs of his career. So Salman isn't a Raiders fan, but he's joining me on this uh, slightly self-indulgent episode. So let's jump right in. The first what if that we're going to talk about is in regards to where Derek Carr was drafted. So he was drafted 36th overall in the 2014 draft by, of course, the then Oakland Raiders. And there were three quarterbacks that were taken ahead of him in the first round or the early second round in the case of the uh, Minnesota Vikings selection. So the three quarterbacks picked ahead of him were Blake Bortles, taken by the Jacksonville Jaguars, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football, taken by the Cleveland Browns, and Teddy Bridgewater, who, were dra- who was drafted by the Minnesota Vikings. So the question, or the what if here in this case, is what if Derek Carr was drafted by any of those three teams? So before we jump into that, do you agree with me that he is a better quarterback than the three guys I listed ahead of him? Yes, yes, 100%. Um, Yeah, it's not even close. It is indeed not even close. So the, the first situation we'll look at is what if he ended up on the Jacksonville Jaguars? So they picked Blake Bortles third or fourth overall, which was kind of a curious selection. I know he looked pretty good at UCF, but it seemed like a bit of a stretch. But anyway... For the most part, Blake Bortles struggled in Jacksonville, but they had one really good season in 2017 where they had the fifth-ranked offense and the second-ranked defense in the NFL. Do you remember that season? They they beat, uh, I believe it was Pittsburgh, at Pittsburgh in the playoffs, and then they went on to yes. lose, I believe, in the – was it the, the conference championship game? Whatever it was, they, they lost to the New England Patriots, but it was much closer than, than you would have thought with a team led by Blake Bortles. So – what do you think happens if Carr ends up in Jacksonville? Does he is he still the quarterback there? I it's possible. Um, you know, Derek Carr, right? Like he came in, he started his rookie season with the Raiders. If he does that on the Jaguars, I think, you know, I think Blake Bortles came in and started his rookie season too. So I think Derek Carr would have the same success here on the Jaguars and as they start adding weapons, like when we get to twenty seventeen, Derek Carr's rolling by then and he's he's probably you know that Jaguars team might even be a Super Bowl contender with him at the helm that's what I think I think that's fair to say because like I said they had the fifth ranked offense they had solid weapons around him Uh, they had uh, Leonard Fournette Alan Hearn so he had some weapons and then the defense of course was elite they had like guys like Jalen Ramsey Miles Jack so they had a really good unit there and they were of course hamstrung by the quarterback position and that's why they eventually ended up losing to the Patriots in that season and then you know a couple years later they go back to the toilet Blake Bortles is gone and now he's no longer in the NFL so I think it's fair to say that Derek Carr in that situation probably succeeds because if Blake Bortles could do it for one season then I'm sure Derek Carr could do it for several the second one 
is an absolute nightmare of a what if for Carr. And that's what happens if he ends up on the Cleveland Browns. So the Cleveland Browns, they kind of reach, we can say, for Johnny Menzel. We find out later that he had a lot of personal issues. He had some uh, drug issues that that led to his epic flameout in the NFL. But this is an organization that won four games over three years, including an own 16 season in 2017. And I think it's fair to say that they've improved as an organization since. They've built a really good team. They've just been a quarterback short. But this particular time in Brown's history, I think it's pretty clear that if he ended up there, he's probably not spending you know nine years there like he did in, in uh, with the Raiders. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. He's definitely not staying in Cleveland long term. He's probably on the move after two, three years. Uh, he's not signing an extension there. But what is interesting is in 2014, he would have been paired up there with Kyle Shanahan. So that could have been a pretty interesting season for Derek Carr and for the Browns there at that point. Um, but other than that, there's nothing much, nothing more interesting going on there with him if he ends up in Cleveland. Like I think, yeah, within two, three years, he's out of there. He's finding his next team and uh, free agency. For sure. He's not surviving two ten years under, or you know, four years total under Mike Patton and Hugh Jackson, uh, which would have been an ironic little twist. Of course, Hugh Jackson was the head coach of the Raiders. But the Kyle Shanahan thing is interesting because whatever you may say about Kyle Shanahan's in-game decision-making and things like that, one thing he's really known for is making life easy for a quarterback and making the game easy for a quarterback. So, I mean, maybe Carr and Shanahan will link up in San Francisco this time next year we'll see <laughs> i doubt it i don't know what the odds no, are no there, comment but... no comment it's pretty low odds though i would say yeah so the the third team and i think that's the the by far the best situation for him from this draft at least for the teams that that wanted a quarterback would have been if he was drafted by the minnesota vikings so teddy bridgewater he starts right away he leads the the vikings to the playoffs his second season and looks the part of a possible franchise quarterback before he blows out his knee in training camp. And I think it was it was a devastating knee injury. And it was to the point where I remember reading about it where it said uh, if he had fallen a certain way or if they hadn't gotten to him straight away, he was at risk of losing his the bottom half of his leg after that injury. So And it was non-contact. His knee just kind of exploded. It was really crazy. But anyway... He's still in the league, so good for him. So after that injury, the Vikings trade a first-round pick for Sam Bradford. He stinks. They play Case Keenum. They make it to the NFC Championship game with him, and then, of course, they're stuck right now with with Kirk Cousins. But they've been one of the better teams in the league over the past nine years, regardless of who was playing quarterback for them. And I think it's pretty easy to see a situation where you swap Bridgewater for Carr, Carr, who's much more durable, who's never had a devastating injury up until this point. And I think the Vikings would be one of the contenders in the NFC. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you put Derek Carr on there, you give him weapons like Stephon Diggs, Adam Thielen, and then Justin Jefferson down the road. And he's cooking, man. He 20, like we'll get, you will get into this in one of your other what ifs, but he was cooking in 2016. So, I mean, the Vikings could have been a Super Bowl contending team at that point with Derek Carr at the helm. And they had, I think by that time, Thielen's emerged and uh, Diggs has emerged. And so they definitely could have been a, a really good offensive team with a pretty solid defense to match. And Derek Carr would, would have been a great candidate there. 
And yeah, and the defense is is the big difference maker because the Vikings, when they were under Mike Zimmer, they had a top five defense five times between yep. now yep. and 2014. This past year, they struggled on defense, but before that, that was their calling card. And Derek Carr's never had the benefit of playing with even a top 15 defense. So you put him on that team. Again, those same weapons, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Stephon Diggs, uh, Adam Thielen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like that, that's a pretty formidable team in a you know pretty good division. Of course, you have Aaron Rodgers. But aside from that, you're not really worried about Chicago. You're not really worried about Detroit over that time. So who knows? But I think it's that's an interesting what if for him, especially because he goes to a team that has organizational stability, good ownership, you know, stability at coaches. Mike Zimmer was around for quite a while, I think seven or eight years. So it would have been a nice change for him in uh, uh, his career. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I think out of the three teams we talked about, I think the Vikings is probably the most ideal uh, scenario for him. For sure. And I think some folks talked about the Texans looking at him, but they just didn't want to go back to the Carr family. <laughs> yeah. what happened. I mean, that's kind of stupid. Uh, I mean, David Carr was what he was, but part of it was, you know, the Texans fault. They surrounded him with a pretty shitty offensive line and dude gets like sacked like 90 times in one season. Like no quarterback's going to come survive that, especially exactly, like, a young yeah. quarterback. I think they just got, they were over the name and all the bad juju that, that uh, surrounded it. But for anyway, sure, yeah, for, I, sure. for sure, if if he would have been drafted by the Vikings, his career would have looked very differently. We wouldn't have to worry about him playing in the cold and all that where people, you know, that's an overrated stat, I think, in my opinion, but he would have played in the <laughs> Dome and all that. So anyway, the next what if is a personal low for me and one that still hurts to this day, and that is what if Derek Carr does not break his ankle in the 2016 season? So the year is 2016. All is well in Raider Nation. Despite a couple losses to the Kansas City Chiefs, the Raiders are in pole position to win the AFC West for the first time in about 15 years, and I believe they had already clinched the playoffs at this point. Khalil Mack is just getting started on his Hall of Fame career. Amari Cooper is running down the sideline. Michael Crabtree is making toe-tap catches in the back of the end zone. And Derek Carr is in the midst of an MVP campaign. He has weapons to turn to at every position, and the defense is opportunistic and exciting, if not totally elite. But since the Raiders fans can't have good things, it all comes crashing down in Week 16 against the Indianapolis Colts. About four minutes into the fourth quarter, Derek Carr drops back, and he gets taken down by his ankle, and the ankle is broken. He gets carted off the field, and I remember just the overwhelming sense of dread <laughs> that I got watching that play do you remember that play where you, did you happen to be watching that game i wasn't watching that game but i do remember seeing the highlight and i was like my goodness that is that's brutal that was brutal like after that i was just like man Ra- raiders got raiders don't have a chance in the playoffs because who's the next guy up matt mcgloin or something like that that's the next guy up and so it was like damn that that and car was having a great season that year so that, that was just really uh yeah that, that was probably as painful to you as maybe the tuck rule Definitely more painful because it was more recent. Absolutely, <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, and I love that 2016 team. But So basically what happens was, is the, the Raiders, they beat the Colts that day, and then the next week they go into Denver, and if they win, they win the AFC West. They would have been 13-3. and three. They would have gotten the, the number two seed, and they would have got a bye. 
And instead, of course, they go into Denver with Matt McGloin. They lose that game. They go to uh, Houston as the uh, wild card team with Connor Cook as the starter. And he has not played an NFL game since. So <laughs> it's pretty clear that they didn't have a chance. They put up a fight, of course, but they were just so hamstrung by the lack of quarterback play. So in my what-if scenario, my dream scenario is, of course, Carr stays healthy. They go in, they beat a Denver team that was pretty mediocre. I think they were 6-10 and 10 or 7-9 and nine or something. And at the bare minimum, they would have hosted a playoff game. They would have gotten a, a, a bye during the wild card week. They would have hosted a playoff game, probably played the Steelers, who were okay at this time. But, the, you know, they generally beat the Steelers in Oakland. And then they would have gone on to face the eventual Super Bowl champion Patriots in New England. So I'll stop there. Do you think they would have had a chance in New England with, of course, Derek Carr and their, their full-strength team? Yeah, that would have been tough going going back to New England. Uh, I think it's the cha- it becomes the AFC Championship game, right? If in your yep, scenario, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I mean, Carr. I mean, Carr was playing elite that 2016 season. That's probably the best season of Carr's career. I think you know when the season was done, he was even voted as like one of the top like 15 players in the league. Uh, by when the NFL did that top 100 list, and so I mean the stats from that season were amazing and. I think definitely Derek Carr gives you a chance, and you saw this is the Super Bowl where the Patriots end up winning, where the Patriots win, and, and they end up playing the Falcons, right? This is the same. That's, that's correct. Yeah. Yep. So I mean, you saw what Matt Ryan and Kyle Shanahan were able to kind of do. They, I mean, slowed down a little bit and lost that Super Bowl. But I think the Raiders could have done something very similar in terms of shredding up that Patriots defense. But again, going into New England, it's uh, it's a scary thing, especially uh, in January. So. That I mean, definitely, I agree with you. I think they would have at least made it to the AFC Championship game, and then mm-hmm. you know you have a fifty-fifty chance to make the Super Bowl there. Like it's not, it's not like definitely New England dominates and wins that game, but it's a fifty-fifty shot at the Super Bowl. Exactly, exactly. At least gives them like a puncher's chance, because again, those those um, playmakers that we mentioned, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree, and then on defense, they weren't elite, but they were opportunistic. Khalil Mack was on that team, of course, at his, at his best. That was a season where he was voted All-Pro at two positions. You had guys like Bruce Irvin, Reggie Nelson, uh, Sean Smith. So they had guys that could make a difference. Um, again, it's not like I would they would have been favored going into New England, but at the very least, it gives them a puncher's chance. And of course, none of that happened because of the ankle break. So <laughs> That one hurts, man. Brutal. Still hurts. That, that that was a brutal one for sure. Yeah, that's yeah. definitely yeah a brutal one. And then, and then Matt McGloin gets hurt, right? And you had to play Connor Cook. Like you might yeah, have exactly. a cha- might have had a chance against the Texans if McGloin was healthy. But Connor Cook, like I think he was a rookie, right? And he out of Michigan State has no experience, and he he was just he, just, he was awful. Yeah. It was that that simple. Yeah. But yeah, McGloin, I would have given us maybe a chance with him, but he I believe hurt his ankle, wasn't a hundred percent. And a guy like that, if he's not 100%, then then what good is that? I just I remember exactly. yeah. watching that game, seeing it happen, and then uh, I went out to dinner later that night, and I just I had no appetite. I was just like pushing <laughs> the food <laughs> around the plate. Yeah, it's you know staring yeah, it, off into it's space. Tough. It's tough that those like late season injuries are tough, right? Early in the season, like uh, like when I remember when Jimmy Garoppolo tore his ACL, I was like, oh man, well. Now we know what the season is going to be, right? Like, at least, you know, you're not, like, sweating it, like, at the end of the season. You're like, damn, we had a great season. The guy just, you know, lost, right? 
but yeah, it, it's it, tough, man. It's 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 tough. Yeah, for sure. I think yeah. I mean, at a minimum, I think the Raiders are going to the AFC Championship, if not the Super Bowl. At the very very least. So, all right, we'll move on to the next uh, what if, and this is kind of a we said three, but this is kind of a dual parter. But the first is basically what if John Gruden was still the head coach? We know all about the the emails and everything like that, but we'll go back and we'll paint the picture. So. After the 2017 season, uh, where Jack Del Rio, the Raiders, fell short of expectations, Mark Davis, who had a massive man crush on John Gruden, rolls out the red carpet for Gruden and gives him an insane 10-year, $100 million contract to coach the Raiders in Oakland and, of course, in their move to Las Vegas. So that Gruden era started off horribly. He gutted the roster. He trades guys like Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper and more on that later, and they go 4-12 in 2018. But you start to see them trending up the next couple years, 19 and 20. They're middle of the road, 7-9, and 8-8, eight and, eight, and they're okay. But they build a really good offense at the very least. They have a top-10 offense uh, under Gruden. And then, of course, uh, 2021 begins, and the Raiders are 3-1, and one, and we're cruising. Um, I'm hyped. I'm excited for the season. You know, I'm worried, of course, about the Gruden – uh, second half collapses, which seemed to be happening uh, a couple times over the past few years and was kind of a trend in his career, but at least things felt good. And then, of course, the emails come out. <laughs> the emails come out on Monday Night Football, where I believe it was the Ravens and the Colts. The emails dropped during them, and it's pretty bad stuff, can, I can I can say. Uh, a lot of racist and homophobic emails. I don't remember if they all came out at one time or if they were kind of dropped like breadcrumbs. But do you remember that that moment when those emails dropped and the reaction to to what uh, what came out? Yeah, hundred percent, man. I I remember hearing like once on that Monday night, like oh, you know, emails leak with John Gruden, John Gruden making you know racist remarks and homophobic remarks. And I was like, damn, that's it. John Gruden's out. Like. They have no other choice, right? And in, in today's world, any 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 hint of that in the NFL, and, and they're gonna come down hard on you, especially for a guy like John Gruden, who, you know, who's, who's been, you know, who's, who's probably said some things in the past, but not not like you know, racist or homophobic. But they were just like, you know what, this is it. That's we got to just get this guy out of here. And I mean, I mean, Mark Davis had to act pretty swiftly, and he did. And that was that was the only outcome possible here for Gruden. He didn't even have a chance to save face based on once those emails started. Like once the, once the actual emails people start seeing the actual emails themselves, he didn't even have a chance to save face. And I think they they tried to uh, save face. He came out with a with a little bit of a pretty weak excuse and some ex- mm-hmm. ex- explanation yeah. for what he said. And they he ended up coaching one more game, and they lost to an awful Chicago team that they probably would have beat, you know, if those emails hadn't have dropped. And they lost to them at home as well, but. I think the the big what if here is I think you can draw a pretty clear line between if John Gruden is still the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. So regardless, I think of, of what would have happened last season, I think he would have been he would have still been the coach because of the ten year contract and all that. Mm-hmm. And I think yep. if he is still the head coach, then I think Derek Carr is still the Raiders quarterback next year. I think that's that's I a agree. pretty clear yep. thing that you can I think point that's out. Pretty fair, yeah, that's pretty fair. Um, I mean, even and if John Gruden stays, you know, like you said, the offense was kind of humming along. They were playing pretty well. 
he, you know, Carr has some weapons here and they traded for Devontae Adams the next year. So maybe, and, you know, maybe Gruden gets a lot more out of that combo than, you know, Josh McDaniels did because I, I feel like Josh McDaniels is a terrible choice, but that's probably your next what if. Um, but, but, you know, that's, that, that was like, I, like to your point, right? If Gruden's still here, he's probably getting a lot out of this offense. Um, and, and, and this offense is playing a lot better and Carr is, you know, definitely a Raider for mm-hmm. a few more years. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's a pretty clear outcome because that season, the Raiders would of course go on to make the playoffs for the first time in five years. They lose to the eventual AFC champion Cincinnati Bengals in Cincinnati. So I think that's probably a fitting end for that team. And I, I mean, the fact that he was able to, to Carr was able to lead that team to the playoffs, despite uh, the Gruden emails, the Henry Ruggs incident, which could be a what if, but we'll stick to to football and on the yes, field yes, stuff. Yes. Uh, it's pretty gruesome if we we go down that road, so we won't do that. But basically, you know, the the fact that Carr was improving every year under that Gruden offense, you can see his numbers climbing, his confidence climbing, and then if you're able to keep him in an offense that he's comfortable in, and bring in Devonte Adams, like you said, they probably still trade for him because he was really dead set on coming to Las Vegas. I think that would have given John Gruden and Mike Mayock at least another season to make up for their draft mistakes. Maybe they learned lessons from some of the reaches that they had in the draft. And I think it's it's possible that Derek Carr ends up finishing his career in Las Vegas if, if Gruden was still a coach. I think they would have been stuck at the hip for a few years. Yeah, I I agree with you on that for sure. So the the last one I had, again, it's kind of a two-parter because it's part of the John Gruden situation, but it's just a simple question of, you know, what if the Raiders don't trade away Khalil Mack and Amari Cooper? And I think the biggest impact that came from trading those guys wasn't so much the trades themselves, but the ensuing moves that the Raiders made to make up for the mistakes of trading those guys away. So, I mean, Khalil Mack gets traded away in 2018. The following draft, Gruden reaches for Cleland Farrell in the search for a dominant pass rusher instead of grabbing a, I don't know, linebacker or another positional need. And the bigger one was the search for a number one wide receiver. So, of course, he trades away Amari Cooper, and he makes a series of moves in order to find a number one wide receiver. He trades for Martavis Bryant, who doesn't do anything in Las Vegas. Uh, sorry, in Oakland. And then, of course, he trades for Antonio Brown, who, you know, the less said about him, the better. But <laughs> that situation blows up in his face. And basically... You know, I think the lesson that comes from this is you need to hold on to your best players. Stop trading away your best players, especially guys that you drafted. You know, it's not like the NBA where you get the the bird rights and all that stuff. But, you know, you can see a world where Khalil Mack is still a Raider. He's lined up with Max Crosby. That's a pretty good foundation for for a defense. And then for whatever you can say about Mari Cooper and his attitude and things like that or his um, – mentality where people think he's he's kind of soft because he doesn't say much and he's just showing any emotion but I think him and Carr had a great relationship and Cooper actually came out and said that Derek Carr is his favorite teammate ever in a podcast recently so I think if you keep those guys I think that gives you these foundational players to be able to build on and then you have a much better team and 
you know, everything ensuing after that kind of the dominoes fall. So what do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. And how much of that decision to trade these guys was Bayok versus Gruden? I, I, I'm not, I wasn't following that close, but um, I know, I know. They so the two guys, decided, Let's um, trade them, but, but so Reggie did, McKenzie did was still have, the GM yeah. at the okay. time. So they, yeah, th- those that's right, moves that's right. were both in 2018. Okay. McKenzie was still there. So I think McKenzie tried to dodge some of the accountability around the Cleo Mac trade, but it seemed like for the most part, it was, it was a okay, John Gruden move or both of them were John Gruden moves. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I, I never, I never got why they traded Khalil Mack away. Uh, I know he was going to get paid, but you, you pay a guy like that, and he's still in his prime. He, you drafted him. He's in his prime. He's one of the most dominant pass rushers in the NFL at that time, and you trade him away for a couple of first round draft picks. That, uh, I mean, that was kind of dumb. And then, I guess Cooper. I mean, I'm more fifty fifty on Cooper, but yeah, him and Carr had a pretty strong connection, and the moves you made afterwards. It's like, man, you were better off definitely keeping Amari Cooper, right? Versus like going through that mm-hmm. headache of Antonio Brown and training camp and doing all kinds of stupid shit, and you just end up like letting him <laughs> go to like Tampa Bay later. So, I mean, it's it was just a nightmare, right? The the things that happened afterwards, and then they kind of course corrected that here when they traded for Devonte Adams. But you could have you could have probably had Cooper and Adams on the same team right now, um, absolutely. <laughs> right? And that yeah, would why not? that would been that would have been lethal. That would have been deadly. For Derek Carr, right? And so, yeah, I agree with you. Like, Cooper for sure and, and Mac, man. You just keep those guys, pay them, you figure it out. Uh, you know, all these all these NFL teams have to deal with similar things, and they you that's where that's where drafting, right, comes into play. Draft better guys and don't draft like Colin Farrell in the, with the fourth overall pick when he's, you know, looks like a bust. Um, I like that you call him Colin Farrell because that's – Oh, what was it, what's, his, what's his name? I didn't know. Cleveland. I didn't even know what – Cleveland. Okay, my bad. My bad. Cleveland Farrell. But I he deserves it, I, to be called Colin Farrell because Yeah, he's man. Been you could probably awful. plug in Colin Farrell. He would have been better. <laughs> like you probably picked up Colin Farrell off the street and plugged him in. So, but yeah, I mean, that's where you got to draft better. You got to have better, you know, make use of your draft picks, especially in the later rounds, find gems, guys like that. And, and that's what that allows you to pay your stars, right? Exactly, and I think the the two points that you made about those those two uh, moves were on point, right? The the Khalil Mack one, you just you do not trade a guy like that. That's like you know Houston trading away JJ um, Watt at his prime, or the Rams trading away Aaron Donald. Like you draft a guy like that, you are blessed to have him after years and years of draft busts at the top of the draft and guys that that flamed out. You pick a guy like that. Doesn't get any trouble. Doesn't get into any trouble. Is an elite teammate, elite player. You pay him whatever he wants, and that's exactly, that. exactly. You know, and you can talk about the reasons for why Gruden traded him, but there's no excuse for it. You can talk about, oh, you know, he he. People say, oh, he didn't want to be here. He just no. The guy just wanted to be paid. He wanted to be respected, and that's that. And earlier in that offseason, Derek Carr, they say he signed the the biggest contract by a quarterback it was for about five minutes before jimmy garoppolo signed a bigger deal and matt stafford signed a bigger deal so as the cap goes up people are going to sign the biggest uh, contracts in a quarterback's history but it's not going to last long anyway he actually took a pay cut he took less money kind of like less than max money in order for the team to be able to re-sign khalil mack but instead they trade him away they don't respect what they have and it leads to a number of moves but the move itself is inexcusable. The thing is, with with Cooper, you can understand the reasoning. You're like, okay, this guy right. maybe doesn't really doesn't want to be here because he's unhappy. 
He doesn't want to, he doesn't like a rebuild. So let's get a first round pick for him. That was excusable, but it was the subsequent moves after that, that really tanked the team where you're making stupid trades and, you know, overpaying for Antonio Brown and him not even ever playing a single snap for the Raiders. And it's just, it was a series of moves by John Gruden that tanked the career of Derek Carr, held back the Raiders. And it just, it's not a Derek Carr specific what if, but it's one that I wanted to talk about because I think it had a big impact on his career and the way things yeah. have played out. Yeah, for sure. And who did they draft with those Khalil Mack picks? I don't even know who they drafted with those picks that they got in return for Khalil Mack. Was Henry Ruggs I believe one of those it picks? was uh no it was not Henry Ruggs it okay. was um it was either Josh Jacobs or Jonathan Abram because they had those two late picks or yeah. two, two late first Ab- round picks I, I think Abrams was one of them for sure I can't remember I think it was, was Abram but regardless of whether I mean they probably still could have gotten Josh Jacobs with the Amari Cooper pick which is great because he's been great but the Jonathan Abram pick was a bust and then there was a couple other late round picks and they ended up paying some other guys that didn't deserve the money. So it's just a whole thing, <laughs> you know, it's, it's another thing, right, thing right. that right. there's the, the they, dominoes that fall, you know, and the butterfly effect of that move. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like, uh, it's kind of like what the Niners did when they traded DeForest Buckner and then they tried to replace him with Kinlaw. Like, I think that's what the Raiders mindset was like, oh, we'll trade Cooper and we'll try to replace him and, and, you know, get either Antonio Brown or Martavius Bryan or draft a Henry Ruggs. And one of the, one of those guys will replace Cooper, but neither one of them mm-hmm. can do it. And, Maybe but the, the difference is, you know, the Niners had Nick Bosa and Eric Armstead. They had other dominant defensive they had, linemen. They so had, like, they okay. had, exactly, yes. Yeah, we got three all-pro defensive linemen. Let's get rid of one and because we can't pay all three of them. But this, the Raiders did not have that. So I think it's just it's a it's a organizational issue that, that we've seen with the Raiders and the way that they've drafted, the way that they've signed guys, and just the total lack of – What's the word I'm looking for? It's just a complete lack of lack of competence. competence. <laughs> just a, yes. just competence. the incompetence that was on display yes. in the draft room, in the, uh, the the coaching choices they made, the coordinators. You know, everything's just kind of a a domino effect that yep. you can see that you know one guy is not good enough to overcome all of that maybe if you're an all-time great maybe if you're a pat mahomes tom brady etc but we've seen even those guys they can't overcome if there's the if there's uh enough issues around them you know pat mahomes couldn't his offensive line couldn't hold up in the super bowl they fell apart tom brady this year his defense was so so and he had no offensive line they didn't do anything They, they got blown out in the wild card so We've seen that even the greats, not to say that Derek Carr is one of the all-time greats, but even the greats need help. And going down this list of what-ifs and thinking about all the things that could have gone differently for him really makes you think about how important situation is for a quarterback and the impact that it can be. Like You can be a slightly above-average quarterback and look like a superstar because you have an incredible team around you. We've seen guys like... Kirk Cousins do that. We've seen guys like Jimmy Garoppolo make a Super Bowl because they had a great team around them. And I think that's the one thing that's that's been lacking in Derek Carr's career. So, yeah. Ab- absolutely right. And, you, I mean, you just saw the Niners do it here with Brock Purdy. So uh, they, they made a seventh-round draft pick. Mr. Irrelevant looked like a pretty elite quarterback here with the team around him. And so, like you said, right, if you give Carr the weapons, you get Carr the team around him, uh, we're talking about a much different uh, 
career. We're, we're talking about a much different story here. We're talking about Derek Carr, lifelong Raider, best quarterback since Rich Gannon type of deal. I mean, he still is the best quarterback the Raiders ever had since Rich Gannon. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. And then, you know, the Raiders made it worse. They bring in Josh McDaniels, who, I mean, for lack of a better word, seems like a moron. Uh, I mean, they're just amplifying the mistakes and then they're like, oh, well, we're choose McDaniels over Carr. And that's, it's just really dumb. But that's, that's where the Raiders are now. That's where we're back at. Back to square so, one. Yeah. Back to square one. All right. So in a couple of weeks, we'll know what, what team he's on. But if you could predict a team that he ends up on, you know, as again, as of February 3rd, what name two teams that you think he could realistically end up on? I would say the Colts and the Texans. Those are those are probably the two I think realistically make sense for Carr. Um, with I think the Colts probably being the more ideal fit for him. You know, they have a guy in Michael Pittman Jr. They have Jonathan Taylor at running back. They have a pretty stout defense, um, pretty decent offensive line. So I, you know, if you if you really want to see Derek Carr succeed, I would think Colts makes a lot of sense. Texans a little bit more of a rebuild, but you know they've shown their defense is decent. Um, they have some playmakers in Brendan Cooks, uh, so you know maybe they 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 decide D'Amico Ryan's decides, hey, you know what? I'm not going in for a rebuild. I'm going to try and get into the playoffs and I'm going to make a trade for Carr. But I would say for me, I would think ideally, the best scenario for Derek Carr is the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, yeah, I'll go on record. I will say either the Saints or the Jets. For Ooh, the you know, okay. I think he he wanted a it's team just, with yeah. stability at at head coach, and he gets that. I mean, Dennis Allen is 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 staying on in in New Orleans. They have some cap issues, but they do have talent. They got Chris Olave and uh, Alvin Kamara, and they have a really good defense. And then of course the Jets, very similar situation. They have a great head coach, great defense, and they have plenty of weapons: Brees Hall, uh, Garrett Wilson, etc. So oh, I think either yeah. of those teams would be a good fit. It's just a matter of. Uh, yeah, it's Where crazy how many. Go. Yeah, it's crazy how many teams could use a quarterback like Derek Carr. Um, exactly, that's the irony it's of all this, it's man. It's uh, I don't think he's going to get traded. I think because uh, they have to. There's a deadline of February 13th. I guess we'll find mm-hmm. out, but uh, that's when his contract becomes guaranteed for next year. So I think it's it's more than likely that he gets uh, released and is able to sign somewhere because he also has a no trade clause. So again, just the Raiders kind of messing something up again they gave this guy no trade clause even though they wanted to trade it was just a whole thing it's just more organizational incompetence uh but you know wherever he goes i'll be rooting for him yeah for sure yeah i I, you know another dark horse team that just came to mind to me was the washington commanders i could see them uh moving on from wentz you know poor wentz and getting passed around oh he's done but (laughs) he's done but i mean i could see the commanders being a dark horse team in the in the car race for sure, I think they're one of the the, the leaders and the the odds of where he ends up next year. Oh, really? I don't okay. know if he'll want to go deal with that ownership situation if yeah, he has the choice yes. to to choose yes, that. But yes. uh, yeah, I mean, either way, of course, I'll always be a Raiders fan, but I'll always be grateful for what Derek Carr uh, brought to this team, and I'll be rooting for him wherever he goes. Of course, unless he is playing against the Raiders. So that's it for <laughs> our show today. We appreciate your time. Thank you guys for taking this uh, self indulgent journey for this lifelong Raiders fan as a kind of a tribute, I guess, to Derek Carr and uh, the, the good memories. I know there's been a lot of bad ones too, but there's plenty of plenty of good ones along the way. So thank you for checking us out. Please make sure to uh, follow us on all the social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 4040 Vision Pod, And make sure to 
Download, like, and subscribe to our podcast on all the major podcasting platforms. Thanks, Lamont. Appreciate you, man. Yep. Later, man. Peace out.